Isaiah 16, 1 through 3. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See the darkness that covers the earth, the thick darkness over all the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So I have to say, I've been thinking about these verses for quite a while. I was thinking about times in my life when this great light rolled back the thick clouds of darkness. And there's this moment that keeps filtering up into my brain. This moment when I decided to take a semester off of college to work naturally in a prison in Matamoros, Mexico. And this prison was a rough place to be, to say the least. I guess to give you a taste of the culture of the prison, um, there was both a men's side and a woman's side to the prison. And when women inmates were introduced to the prison, uh, they would first be given to the guards, and the guards could do whatever they wanted to these women. And then the women would be brought to the male side of the prison, and the male inmates could do whatever they wanted to these women. And then these women were sort of deposited in their cells. And I think, I think that they did this so that the woman would know, truly in their deepest knower, that they were worth nothing. They were nothing. They had no value. And when I was in this prison, I uh, became friends with a woman named Erica, whose family, it so happened, um, ran the Gulf Cartel. And uh, Erica had no feelings. Her eyes were dark and cold and steely, and her body was completely emaciated because she had been addicted to cocaine since age nine, and now at age 36, every spark of life seemed to have been sucked out of her. And, uh, and she had also been personally responsible for more deaths than there are people in this room. And for some reason, Erica decided to be my friend, which really, I didn't do much. I didn't do anything at all. What I would do is, after I taught my classes, I would go back to this convenience store that she ran in the prison, and I would you know, count out change when people wanted to buy cigarettes. And uh, one day, I went back there to say hello to Erica, and she was just sobbing and her arms were wrapped around her waist, and she was rocking back and forth. And this really blew me out of the water. I was absolutely flabbergasted. A, that she had any feelings in her body at all, but B, she would show these feelings to me 
this rather, I don't know, dinglebomb American who doesn't know anything about anything. But she looked up at me and she said, Heather, I think maybe, maybe there's something or somebody bigger than just me. And maybe, maybe there is this God that you talk about. And, and if he's there, maybe he sees me hurting so much. And he must want something better for me. And that day, her life completely changed. She quit cocaine cold turkey, which I know because I went back two years later and three years later, and she had rounded out and blossomed, and there was pink in her cheeks. And she completely transformed this prison. She, uh, she made it so that the guards had to take the inmates, the female inmates, directly to their cells. If not, they had to deal with her family. She, <laughs> she planted gardens all over this jail, flower gardens and vegetable gardens, and she even started a volleyball league for the, for the women in the jail. And a light filled this prison where before there had only been darkness and desperation. And for me, this time in the jail was utterly transformative, far beyond the gardens and the volleyball. Really, for the first time, I realized how powerful and how personal God is. That he could take a situation that was utterly black and oozing and festering and create joy and beauty and life. He transformed Erica's life. And in doing so, he used her to completely transform this prison. And really, he transformed the essence of who I am. Because for the first time, I could look you in the eyes and say, I love Jesus because I felt so intimately that he will not abandon us to the hell of our own making. He loves us. He loves me. He wants me to feel loved. He wants you to feel loved. And he conquers this thick darkness. So this Christmas, have hope. This Christmas, have joy. This Christmas, have peace. Because our God reigns. He brings light into our own stories of loneliness, of desperation, our secrets, our festering hurts. Jesus came to this earth for us. And because of him, we can actually live. And the trick is that really, he just asks us to unclench our fingers and open up our arms to receive this bounty of blessing. 
So this Christmas, know that you are loved. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Right now we're about to head into the candle lighting portion of the service. And, and as we do so, as each individual little candle extends out and covers every corner of this church, I challenge you to reflect on how Christ has brought his light into your life and rolled out the darkness. The light. 
You may all blow out your candles. Arise and shine, for our light has come.
You guys could bring the uh, these lights up just a little bit more. My eyes aren't so great. So interesting. We sing about um, peace, um, something that we don't see when we really look around us. Um, we come by faith. Um, when we are, we're increasing that faith when we hear stories like Heather shares, and we see those stories around us. Um, we come together and we, we um, bring symbols to remind us that Christ still rules um, to walk us through those kinds of times. The truth of scriptures is that the light has entered a dark place. It's entered a place that doesn't have peace in order to bring it. Our theme over, for those of you visiting tonight, our theme over the last four weeks has been let earth receive her king. And we have been pondering on the, the reality of God being with us, his presence being not just an idea or some kind of hope that's far away, but something that's very present and right in our midst. And how do we respond to the fact that the king of the universe shows up right here in our midst? And we've seen a number of responses, ignoring it, um, rejecting it, rebelling against it. We've talked about having doubt and disbelief. We've talked about embracing it and worshiping in response to that. And responses today in this world are the same as they were back then in this uh, kind of a bleak world where things don't always look so well. As Jesus shines his light, and we hear the stories, and go to the mall with people not having any idea what we're talking about, and yet you still hear these same songs that we're singing tonight. Um, people ignore it. It gets dismissed as being irrelevant. Um, people take the story, and we've done this at times, and we reinterpret it to be, create something else that does not penetrate our lives in the way it's meant to do. It's maligned, and it's sometimes just... Missed, But the great truth of, that we celebrate tonight is that Christ did come. God came in the flesh, and he's here, and the light has come, and it actually brings hope. 
And so in the midst of a world that doesn't receive it or that celebrates it in a very a way that really misses it, um, and with our own struggles and our own heart, how do we respond uh, to that? You know I love the Puritans. Um, the Puritans actually banned Christmas celebrations. That's how they responded to the world celebrating it in a wrong way. Um, actually, in 1644, um, under Cromwell, they actually made it a crime to celebrate Christmas because the, uh, the Christmas time became the party time of the nation when all the worst of things that you could imagine all took place during that time. And so to remove themselves from it, they said, no more Christmas celebrations. They just banned it all together. As a matter of fact, in New England, it was against the law on Christmas Day to bake a mincemeat pie. Um, personally, I think it should be against the law every day, but that's just a, a personal feeling about that. Cromwell said this about Christmas, what it had become at that time. He said it is an extreme forgetfulness of Christ. It becomes an extreme forgetfulness of Christ. And we come together for a purpose, and that's to bring our own hearts and minds back and to bring ourselves back to the, the very heart of the truth that Jesus came to give his life, to bring life and freedom and to make us new again and to bring hope. So how do we uh, respond to it as people of God um, that want to walk in the light of the truth? Um, our last person we're looking at, we have looked at several people over the last four weeks. The last one is tonight, and I'm just going to briefly tell his story. It's Simeon. It takes place eight days after Jesus was born. It's in Luke chapter 2, if you want to read it uh, tonight before you go to bed, verses 21 through 38. Um, they brought Jesus to the temple, which they were supposed to do according to the law, to bring him up and to name him. And we're told that there was a man named Simeon who was old and had been in the temple for day after day after day. As a matter of fact, there was a woman named Anna doing the same thing. And it says he was righteous and he was devout. It says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the moment when God would show up and say, I've finally brought salvation. He wasn't looking for Rome to be thrown out. He was looking for hearts to be changed. And it says he waited day after day after day, and that God had actually given him a vision that he would not die until he had seen the Christ, the Messiah, God in the flesh, in his midst. And I was thinking about Simeon. He got older and older and older. And every day he came to the temple again and again and again and again. And everything looked the same. The, uh, the Pharisees and the scribes still had it wrong. Herod still ruled. Um, things did not look good. He clung to that promise, but you wonder if that promise started fading a bit in him as he got older. But he held on to it. He himself was old. At this point, the times were dark. Um, his own time was probably expiring as he came to his end. It says that he came into the temple one day in the spirit, and he comes in the temple, and Mary and Joseph come in bringing a baby, which looked like just everybody else's baby, and it says, Simeon went and he took the child in his arms and he blessed it and he raised it up. And this is what he said. He says, now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Salvation rests in a person, God himself, Jesus in our midst, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. He is to be a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Let me read it again. He said, he lifted, took the child, 
Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. He took the child, Jesus. Um, you know, if he had had a Christmas carol to sing, which they didn't because they didn't have it yet, but if they had had it, um, I think he would have sang the song that we're going to sing a little bit, Joy to the World, because it was what he was waiting for. And there was like with the Magi last Sunday of having this inexpressible joy that poured out. He would have said, let earth receive her king, because he knew it was not just for the Jewish people, but it was all people, with a light of revelation to the Gentiles. And I think he would have said, I take this child, and he is my king, and I receive him for myself. And he was ready to depart in peace. Notice two things he did. Number one, he was looking for Jesus. He was looking for the light to come. Every day he went in, looking and looking and looking. He had a ready heart to recognize God's movement in his midst. Titus 2, 11-14 says, Grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. And at the end it says, We're supposed to be looking for the blessed hope and appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And second of all, he pointed to the light. When he saw Jesus, he took him in his arms and he said, in, in my own words, this is the one. This is the one. This is God with us. This is Emmanuel. This is the one who's come to change everything. Whether anybody believed it or not, he said, this is the one. And we are called to do the same. Second Corinthians 5.21 says that we are called to carry out the ministry of reconciliation by which God has brought salvation in my life by faith when I trusted Jesus Christ as we have this candle representing him. And he calls us then to take that message and call the world to reconciliation through Christ himself. So he looked for the light, and he pointed to the light, and so um, should we. For us, um, tonight, um, and with all the things we've got going on, and the things of tomorrow, and then when the whole week all turns back to normal again, because it does, doesn't it? And the world presses on, and we walk through the things calls us to do the same thing, to be looking for his work and his appearance and his presence in our midst. Because as we've said last week, God is always working. He's always revealing himself. He's, he's, he's a light that keeps shining. And there's all these lives around us, like Heather shared, and there are all sorts of people who are looking and needing to see the light as we share it. So look for his work and then point others to it. Say, Jesus is the one. It makes a difference. It's, it's his light. It's his work that brings a difference for us. Our desire in this past uh, four weeks has been to move from a place of just looking at a distance to be able to step in and say, I receive the king. I receive the king. Both whether you've never done that before, you've never uh, trusted Christ for eternal life, or whether as a believer like the rest of us where we do it, but we do it hesitantly sometimes, we, we do it partially, we don't really just take it each day and say, God, today's yours. I receive you to do whatever you want in my midst, both today and in all days. And we want to get to that place where we can say, let us receive our king. I'm going to do it. We're going to do a, re a responsive reading, a not a common occurrence at the vineyard, but we are going to do it. Um, I will read a verse, and then um, we're going to easy words. It's let us receive our king. And the reason we repeat something is because one time just doesn't do it. We've got to drive it into our heart so that God can shape and change our mind and call us to a different place.
So I'll read and I'll, I'll get you going here each time so you know where we're going. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Let us receive our king. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Let us receive our king. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Let us receive our king. So Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Let us receive our king. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Let us receive our king. Now there was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Let us receive our king. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions, and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son. Let us receive our King. Behold, Jesus said, I am coming quickly. I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. And let's say it three times. Let us receive our King. Let us receive our King. Let us receive our King. Lord, I just thank you that you um, left the glories of heaven and, as it were, you pitched a tent in our midst to walk and to live with us, and it's not one that you then gathered up and departed and left us here, but you remain with us. Thank you for the work you did on the cross, for the wonder of bringing light to bring change to bring newness, and to bring hope. And give us hearts that notice your work, that point to your presence, and that are submitted to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you be okay turning these lights back down like before? I love you too. When we were talking about the service, we just thought, what if we just had an hour of rest in the middle of Christmas, which is rarely rest anymore? So uh, you can sit and you can sing or you could just let us sing to you. But let's just let it be rest.
prepare him room. Oh, may my heart prepare him room. Oh, may my heart prepare him room. Prepare him
Lord, we, uh, you have brought us through a lot of paths in this past year, and there are more before us. And you have been, and you will be, and continue to be King and Savior, the lover of our soul and our light. And give us hearts that truly open themselves up to um, let you reign as you would please. And in those times when we um, close it off, I pray that you would, in your own gentle way, um, pull them open and take your place in our lives where you belong. And may we see your work and may we call others' attention to it, that you may be exalted above all things. For it is in the strong name of Jesus that we pray. And as we go out into this cool evening under the beautiful stars that you've created, may we lift up your name, the name of Jesus. Amen.